2: My guest this hour is Travis Johnson. He's the editor and founder of the Stock Gumshoe uh, service, uh, and welcome to the show, Travis. Thanks, Jordan. I'm happy to be here. Let's just start with a bit of your background and uh, how you've been watching investments and how you formed uh, Stock Gumshoe in the first place.
3: Uh, okay. Well, I am an individual investor, like probably most of your listeners, and been managing my own money for for. Many years, I suppose, is the right term. Um, and I was economics and law librarian, and sort of I specialized in research. So when I kept seeing all the teasers come through from all the newsletters, I, it became a bit of a hobby to try to track down what they were talking about, see what if they were really making sense, um, as a way initially to learn a little bit more, um, to look for some investment ideas. And then I started writing about those things for other people and the response was pretty overwhelming. There's a lot of people who just want to know what the reality might be behind some of these ideas that they hear promoted as you know, the, the next apple or the best thing since sliced bread, whatever, whatever term you want to use. Um, so it's it sort of built on itself. Uh, enough people responded immediately and got excited about it uh, that I was motivated to keep doing it, and eventually it turned into what I do almost all the time now.
2: And just tell us a little bit about the newsletter. Uh, how often does it come out? How much does it cost? Uh, what you can get free and what you can get if you pay. Just, just tell us a little bit about Stock Gumshoe.
3: Okay. Uh, the site is mostly free, uh, StockGumShoe.com. And what I do is basically write almost every day. And almost every day I write about uh, one of the teaser ads that comes in from the newsletters You know, that tells you they've got the best idea you've ever seen before for... You know, the next mammoth gold mine or the next hot technology or whatever it might be. And they've thrown around enough hints that, that you can um, get tantalized and start to think that it's real. Uh, and I sort through those hints and figure out what the company is and write about it for people um, and sort of explain a little bit of the reality. And that, that I do almost every day. Um, in the beginning, uh, it, was, it was all free. And then people started spontaneously sending in money to support the cause and sort of keep me going and keep it, keep me motivated, I suppose, and support the costs of running the site and things like that. Um, so I started a little bit extra for them, and I call that the stock gumshoe regulars, borrowing the term from Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. And those people get a little bit extra. So they get I write about one investment every month that I think is an interesting idea. Um, I share with them the stocks that I own in my portfolio. And they get at least one article a week that everybody else doesn't get, which I call the Friday file. Um, so it naturally comes out mostly on Fridays. And, and that's, it. that's it. So most of the site is free, and anybody can access it um, and start a free membership that will give you, you know, subscription to our daily email newsletter, which comes out most days of the week. And we'll allow them to comment on articles on the site. And you can go from there to decide if you want to pay a little bit to help keep the site going, which is $49 a year or we have monthly or quarterly options if you're having, um, and then you get a little bit of extra information.
2: And tell us about the community that's kind of created around this and the back and forth that goes on between the members.
3: Well, that's one of the fun parts really about this is there are a lot of people that sort of do what I do as a bit of a hobby, try to track down these newsletter teasers or that just get excited about it or even subscribe to some of these newsletters. Um and they are pretty active commenters. We've had a couple experiments with different ways to share information on the site in the past. And what we have now is basically sort of a junior forum where people can submit their own ideas or they can submit teasers on the site, um, and lots of people can respond to those. So even the things that I can't necessarily get to, a lot of the folks who read the site or who comment on the site might, might be able to answer them or might be able to help people with ideas. So it's been really, really nice that way. There, there are a few thousand people that... Are fairly active on the site and commenting and sharing their own thoughts uh, in addition to the many, many people who who just read the the free articles.
2: So you say there's a difference between so-called real newsletters and those that are really, as you call them, pump and dump campaigns. Maybe describe what a pump and dump campaign is and how you can tell that from a so-called real newsletter.
3: Sure. Um, Most people, when they think about sort of promotions and teasers, and when they get those email ads, they think that a lot of these are the stock promoter guys, and some of them are. Uh, Stock promoters are people who are basically paid to drive attention for a stock. Some of it is legitimate, like investor relations companies that try to promote a stock um, and sort of like a PR firm for a company that needs attention. Um, But a lot of it is a lot less legitimate, and a lot of them are not paid by the companies. Um, A lot of them, a lot of this is done... By folks who are investors and sort of offshore traders who will hire a PR company to send out these ads to a couple million people or whatever it might be, and they'll pay them whatever it might be up front, a few thousand dollars, fifty or a hundred thousand dollars for some of the bigger campaigns. And sometimes they'll often take a stock, uh, take a stake in these tiny little penny stocks as well. And the goal for those is to pump up the shares of a stock enough so that the people who are paying for the promotion campaign can sell them at a higher price. Uh, there are also some somewhat more legitimate campaigns like that where they're trying to drive up the share price because the company needs to raise money um, or they're trying to sell more stock to the public and the company's actually doing it, uh, but that's that's pretty rare. Uh, most of the ones that I see are sort of these shady networks of promoters driving up the share price, and everybody gets excited about it, and they start to see the stock going up you know, 50% a day, 100% a day for a few days in a row. I think there must be something real to it, and they jump on board, and they're the they're the last ones. You know, if you have to ask who the sucker is in the room, it's you.
2: And is that actually illegal, or what is legal and not legal about dumping? Oh, it well,
3: down? A, a shocking amount of amount of this stuff is legal. I'm not a lawyer, um, although I've done plenty of legal research in the past, but not on this kind of thing. the The legality of it is oftentimes based just on what you disclose. So if you read the small print on those email ads, and I always encourage people to read the disclaimers and read the small print because it's almost always there. Uh, the SEC is pretty good at tracking down the real scam artists, but if you are telling somebody in the disclaimer that you're about to rob them, it's kind of okay if you rob them. Uh, people will tell you that, you know, we've been paid in the in the bottom of an email ad promoting the stock, telling you what the name of the stock is and the ticker, and some little little penny stock gold mining company or whatever it purports to be. There almost never is a real business behind it, but they'll, they'll have some sort of sector that they claim to be in. Uh, they'll tell you in the little small print at the bottom that we, we've been paid $5,000 to disseminate this or we own 500,000 shares of this stock and we may sell it at any time. The sort of the basic rule is that if somebody's telling you the name of a stock, they're trying to drive the price of the stock up. If somebody's not telling you the name of the stock but does tell you the name of the newsletter, they're probably trying to
2: drive attention to their newsletter. So in the case of these pump and dump stocks, they, they have these very glossy uh, newsletters, which really look very you know, well done and cite all kinds of statistics and famous analysts. Is this all just completely made up or is there something to this?
3: There's usually a little something to it. There usually is really a company. Sometimes the people that are doing the pumping up of the stock are related to the company, um, but off, more often, in my experience, they're not. Um, but some, oftentimes there's a little bit of business behind the company. They are really exploring for gold. Um, they do maybe have a little land holding, or they are trying to develop a technology or a drug or something like that. But of course, the glossy brochure is not going to say that they have 100,000 acres and they haven't done any drilling and they're just looking for gold, it's going to say that they have a land holding as big as Barrick Gold or something like that. Um, they always obviously focus on the most positive aspect of it, and the companies almost never have any revenue at all, uh, which is always a good thing to check. If, they're, if they do file with the SEC at all, they're mostly pink sheets or penny stocks or over-the-counter stocks. So if they file at all, they'll tell you a little something. There's one um, that got a lot of attention last year called Gem and Java that was – uh, teased a little bit by, um, uh, by several different promoters that all seem to be related. And it was teased as being, having a connection to the most famous celebrity in the world, uh, which was Bob Marley. And he's, he's up there. He's up in the Elvis and Marilyn Monroe neighborhood in terms of a marketable celebrity who's not no longer with us. But it was, it was teased as this is going to be the next Starbucks because they're using the Marley name to sell coffee. And from, from what I could tell, looking at it, they disclosed all of the, uh, the possible conflicts of interest they had in the, in the teaser ads, and they were clearly connected with a couple of the promoters from the Vancouver Stock Exchange who do this kind of pump-and-dump promotion quite often, and they disclosed that their one asset was something that was worth probably less than a million dollars, and the stock was trading for $200 million for a non-exclusive license. To possibly sell some coffee that was tangentially related to Bob Marley. And the stock went up to 200, maybe even $300 million, and it's now back down. I think it's down around $20 million again now, but I still can't see how you can justify that price for it.
2: So, mostly stocks ultimately do plunge after the surge. Is that the idea?
3: Almost all of them, yeah. I mean, sometimes there is a real company, but there's almost never a company that's even that a business underlying the stock that's worth even a tenth what the what the promoters drive it up to be.
2: Yeah. So uh, in, in looking at these, uh, the real news, ads, not the pump and dump ones, uh, how do you see what the, the real story is behind a story stock uh, and what's a great idea and what's uh, just complete fluff?
3: Well, the one thing I just keep coming back to is don't read too much into the teaser ads that they send out. So even the newsletters themselves, most of which are very legitimate publishers, regardless of the fact that they uh, they may be a bit too aggressive in their marketing. Uh, But it's things like Agora and The Motley Fool and uh, Eagle Financial and KCI, um, most of whom change their names every once in a while, so those names are not all necessarily accurate right now. But you've heard of a lot of them. Um, Companies like Forbes publishes their own newsletters as well. And most of the newsletters themselves are fairly sober, um, they tell you the, the risks and benefits, but the ads for the newsletter are not. So folks get so excited to come in the front door based on this promise of tremendous wealth. And that kind of sticks with you, even if the actual material from the newsletter publisher itself, if the actual stuff for subscribers is a little bit more sober, you're still having the back of your mind that they told me in the ad that this is going to be worth 1,000% more in a couple of years. So it's the real key thing for looking at these teasers. And what, what I try to do on the site is to just look a little bit at the fundamentals, um, you know, read a little bit of a 10K at least, um, check through some of the filings, read the actual stuff, and just sort of think broadly about the company. If, they're, if it's a hot new technology, just think a little bit about who their competitors are going to be. But most of it is looking at the actual numbers. I mean, if you look at the numbers and they're profitable, you can look at various traditional things like the PE ratio or even price to sales or just look at if revenue is growing and you can get a very basic idea of whether it's at all a healthy company regardless of whether the story itself sounds compelling.
2: Very good. Okay, we're going to take a break. Uh, This is Jordan Goodman with The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Travis Johnson. Uh, He's the editor and founder of Stock Gumshoe, which kind of acts as a – uh, to stiff out the, the bad from the good and the whole investment newsletter world. Uh, and we'll have much more after this.
4: comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network are you feeling slammed and suckered in today's stock market if so then you need to tune in to
2: profitable investing with jordan kimmel every thursday at 8 a.m pacific time jordan kimmel will train you in what you can do to beat up the big boys on wall street as well as share his secrets to success so that you can buy and sell like a profit pumping pro Grab the bull market by the horns and listen to Profitable Investing with Jordan Kimmel every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time right here on the bottom line of business talk, Voice America Business.
4: If you are looking for both an inside and insightful look at what you're not seeing in media coverage of today's legal, business, and policy battles, Tune into In the Court of Public Opinion with host Jim Haggerty. What happens in the public arena affects us all. Whether you're following the latest high-profile court case, corporate crisis, or are just interested in government and policy, be sure to tune in every Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. The witnesses are ready and the jury seated. So join us for our next session in the Court of Public Opinion.
5: Ready for in-your-face sports?
2: My guest this hour is Travis Johnson. He's the editor and founder of the Stock Gumshoe uh, newsletter, online newsletter, which helps people figure out what's real and what's not real in the uh, world of investments. Welcome back to the show, Travis. Thanks, George. Um, talk a little bit about the effect of a teaser campaign uh, on a stock, particularly if it's a, a small, not, well, uh, not, not a lot of float-ups there on the stock. Tell, tell us what kind of impact these campaigns can have on those stocks.
3: Well, sometimes it can be pretty remarkable. And to tell you the truth, we at Stock Gumption, we, we participate in that a little bit. Um, what happens is if uh, if one of the big publishers, somebody like a Motley Fool or uh, Porter Stansbury and Agora, and the many affiliated companies of those publishers, if once they get access to all the big mailing lists, which are often two, three, four million people um, who are active investors, and they pepper them with these heavy promotions for a stock, even if they don't name it, those people are very motivated to find out what the name of the stock is. And if I happen to write about it, explaining the answers to it, it's going to drive more attention to the stock. So that's one of the reasons that I try to be a little bit cynical when I'm writing and try to add even a little bit more caution than I might personally feel about a stock is that I know people are coming in with so much anxiety about the stock. They're so excited about it from reading the promotional materials. That I almost don't have to tell them any of the good stuff. They, they've got the good stuff in their blood and it's boiling. I have to cool them down a little bit and tell them a little bit about, about what's real. Sometimes it sometimes it turns out to be a great pick. Uh, we have had several picks that went up 200, 300, 400 percent of uh, things that I've written about, and I was cynical about those too. But um, the the many that have gone down by 99 or 100 percent catch your attention. Some of these can move so fast. Um, one example that I wrote about recently was a company called Gold Standard Ventures, which was picked by uh, one of the big high price newsletters, uh, which is Phase One from Stansbury. And that was, that's a newsletter that has a subscription price of about $5,000 if you pay the list price. And, but they promote this uh, newsletter, which is very high-priced, so which makes this pick seem that much more exciting. They promote that newsletter to those 2 million people. So those people are thinking not only that this is a great idea, but it is a great idea that only a few people are going to know because it's so exclusive, this high-priced newsletter. And I wrote about it, and I, and I kept that behind my firewall on my site for just the paid members, too. So I, I made that a less exposed one just because I like to try to avoid putting too much attention on these names, um, especially when it's a tiny stock. And this was a little $50 million company, even less. Um, and it happened to be a gold company. It was trading at maybe 70 cents. Uh, before it was, it was written about for the Phase 1 newsletter, it was up to $0.90 cents by the time I wrote about it. They had already released it to a few of their readers, uh, for the people coming in and paying for the newsletter. By the time I wrote about it, it got up quickly by another $0.50 cents a share or so, and now it's, now it's at $2. Um, and in the interim, they had some good news, which obviously nobody could have predicted. I'm sure the Phase 1 people didn't have any inside information on exactly what the news would be. But there was the hope among many investors that they'd have good drilling results, and they did. So it kept the stock price up there. It could have gone the other way. I mean, most of these newsletter teasers, you'll see them with a huge campaign behind it. It'll last a few days or a week, and the stock will drive up. Um, if it's a if it's a larger stock, uh, it may drive up by 10 or 20 percent with a lot of attention like that. Uh, if it's a small stock like this, it could easily double or. Or do something like that if the story is compelling enough and it sort of hits at the right time for the investor psyche, and we write about it at the right time, I could easily double in in a matter of a couple of weeks, and then just as easily it'll disappear because the attention from that promotion stops.
5: these stocks need—
3: I'm sorry, these stocks need continual
2: promotion to keep going up. Is that right? They don't get started and then go up on their own further unless they're oh, being hyped.
3: Yeah. Right. They they either need continual attention or they need a real catalyst from the company. They need some real news, um, a result, you know, earnings or real results or, you know, FDA approval, those kinds of things that move these little stocks, um, depending on what sector they're in. And another case uh, is Star Scientific, which Patrick Cox over at Agora has been talking about for over a year now as calling it things like the last stock you'll ever need and just sort of this panacea for everything, including Alzheimer's, which is... Sort of the holy grail for, for biotech investors um, because it's such a huge unmet market. And they do have a real product. It does have pretty good results, um, but it's a $500 million company with, with very little sales, even of this real product, and it's just been introduced. So every time almost anything happens for that company, Cox um, goes out with a, with a big promotional campaign for his breakthrough technology report that the stock has something yet more exciting about it. The last time it was, you know, it's, it's in a major retailer um, because they had started to sell it at the GMC website. So it, this uh, anti-inflammatory they had called Anatoblock was now finally a little bit more available for some of the nutritional supplement shoppers. And at the same time he was doing that, um, the company had also gotten some good results from their initial studies of the anti-inflammatory, and anti-inflammatory as sort of a preliminary clinical trial. So things are pretty good about it. But with these kinds of companies, it's very, very hard to tell whether a company should be worth $100 million or $500 million if they have essentially no revenue to speak of and certainly aren't going to have any earnings for a very long time.
2: So are you saying people should stay away from these altogether or just put uh, kind of you know, betting money on these kind of things that you can afford to lose? <laughs>
3: Um, I I never say that people should stay away from things altogether. I my my real argument is that people should understand the company itself. You don't don't just take what the newsletter guys are telling you in their promotion as the reason to buy it. You know the the story of a stock is important. Um, the argument behind a stock that there are big new discoveries all the time. There are real breakthroughs. There are real you know, mining bonanzas still to be found. Um, there are exciting business models that are taking off, and those are great. But look at the real company, you know, step back you know, take a couple of days. Almost any stock that's going to go up 10,000 percent is going to take years to do it. You're not, going to, you're not going to miss it if you wait a few days and miss the first 100 um, percent. Take your time. Understand the company a little bit and understand why you think it should do well, not just why one of the many newsletter editors is telling you it will do well.
2: How do the uh, newsletter editors react to you? Are, are you considered a, uh, a help or hinders to them?
3: good question. I don't know. Um, I have spoken to some of them, including some of the big ones, uh, and a fair number of them are friendly. Um, A lot of the newsletter editors don't necessarily love the kind of marketing that their publishers have to do to get them attention, to get them new subscribers. Um, A lot of them also feel a little bit uneasy about these big ad campaigns where they're telling 5 million people, maybe, about a single stock and Mm -hmm. making huge promises about that stock. Um, I think a lot of the newsletter editors who are, many of them are very sober investors who, you know, have good newsletters and explain things well to people. I think a lot of those people are pretty uneasy about the marketing that they have to send out under their name to get their attention in an extremely competitive marketplace. So the editors themselves, I think, are mostly reasonably okay with them unless they've said something specifically bad about them recently, which, which is the case from time to time. And I, I think they also like that I distinguish them from. Just the pump and dump guys that are just stock promoters. So I do. I I I give them credit when they make good picks. Um, I give them a hard time when they make bad picks, and I try to be very fair. I think I think I've been fair in the many years I've been doing this.
2: What are some of the stocks in your existing portfolio? These are things that you've you've seen in the newsletters, and then you've investigated, and you think that they're for real. Is that right?
3: Some of them are, yeah. I uh, For the folks who subscribe, I, show, I tell them about all the stocks in my portfolio. So some of them I learned about just like they did from a teaser campaign or from a newsletter the editor that I happen to like or follow. Um, I don't actually subscribe to any of the newsletters because I think that wouldn't be fair. That would give me a, too much of an edge on deciphering their teasers if I already knew it was in their, their recommended portfolios. But I do pay attention to them and what they say. And I think some of them are pretty smart. Um, so. Some of my stocks are stocks that I initially found out about that way. Others are ones that I found out about from other ways, from the news or from teasers. So a lot of them are big cap stocks like Apple or Intel that you don't need anybody to tell you what the, what the teaser is behind those those kinds of picks.
2: But what would be some examples of some smaller companies people might not have heard about that you found to be good that uh, you heard about originally from these newsletters? All
3: right. Um, let's see. There's, well, there's one. One company that's my my largest personal holding has been actively promoted by newsletters. And I actually, I bought it before it was the subject of any teaser campaigns, I think. But it it has been uh, teased by two big newsletter families, and that's Sandstrom Gold, which is a little Canadian gold financing company. Um, And that's just – I happen to use it as a way to keep most of my gold and mining investing in one stock that I think has limited downside and has a nice – Somewhat diversified business model and is somewhat un- undiscovered, but the reason I like it is that it's uh, it's following an existing model that's worked extremely well for Silver Wheaton, and it took the CFO from Silver Wheaton um, to found. Uh, he left Nolan Watson, the CFO from Silver Wheaton, left to form Sandstorm Gold and a sister company called Sandstorm Metals and Energy, and they basically do the same kind of streaming thing that Silver Wheaton does. So if there's a little gold miner that's discovered a mine and they need money to help develop the mine or to explore a little bit further or to expand the resource, Sandstorm Gold pays them up front for a share of their gold. So they'll pay them whatever whatever amount it might be for 20% of the gold that comes out of that mine in perpetuity. And they'll say, we'll pay you this $50 million up front. We'll also pay you $400 an ounce for each of those ounces. So you get a little bit of... Visibility because these are, these are all developed mines or mines that are very close to being developed, and a lot of the uncertainty is taken away. You know that you've got a good team of resource experts analyzing these for you and sniffing them out, and you get a little bit of predictability about it. That's why I like that particular thing. I, I've actually been fond of a few of the kind of natural resources financing companies as opposed to the actual natural resources companies themselves.
2: What is the, the sticker symbol for that particular stock?
3: from Gold Trades in Canada at SSL on the Venture Exchange, and it's SNDXS on the pink sheets.
2: And might there be one other example of something that you've liked and you heard about from newsletters that has done well?
3: Let's see. I don't know what else I should tell you about. There has been there have been quite a few. Um, the ones in my portfolio that, that stand out are mostly those little guys, um, uh, other ones but another one I've added recently um, that's shot up quite a bit is an extremely speculative little company called Africa Oil that's exploring with Tolo Oil um, in eastern Africa, mostly in Kenya. And that is probably gotten too expensive already at this point. Um, but one, one other one that I do like quite a bit, also in the natural resources space that I learned about uh, maybe a year ago, because of a teaser campaign, is a little company called Canyon Services Group, which is a fracking company, uh, a company that does the high-pressure pumping, uh, that supplies those big trucks and the crews to pump the water into those wells to do fracking. They're mostly in Western Canada, and it was that happened to be a company where the promises were a little bit outlandish because the promises hinged not just on the fact that they were supplying a needed service, and investing in capital and capital investments to expand their fleet at the right time when demand is extremely high. But the, the promise in the Caesar was that you know they had a hot new technology that was going to change the way everything works in this sector, and that's probably not going to happen. They have they do have that little technology. It's a very small portion of uh, of their world. But, but what's really happening is that they've doubled and tripled their fleet, and prices are going up. And the new fracking demands in the Western Canada sedimentary basin are much deeper than the old one, so they need higher horsepower fleets, and that's what this company happens to have, and they're, they're profitable and they're inexpensive. Um, so you get companies like that where there is a real story and a great growth driver, and they've had a few ups and downs over the year or so that I've owned it, but I think it's, I still think it's a great pick if you think that they're, we're going to keep pumping water into the ground to squish the oil out. And what is the stock symbol on that one again? That's C-Y-S-V-F for the Pink Sheets version, but it's F-R-C in Toronto. Very good. Okay, we're going to take a break.
2: Uh, This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Travis Johnson. He's the editor and founder of the Stock Gumshoe uh, newsletter uh, service. We'll be back
5: after this.
0: A Current Life with Jimmy Gould airs Fridays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, Noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel.
1: together in conversations that make a difference right here on the voice america business channel every friday morning at 10 a.m pacific standard time
5: we're always talking business talk to an expert call now toll free 866-472-5790 that's 866-472-5790 voice america business network
1: You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan.
2: Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Travis Johnson, editor and founder of the Stock Gumshoe uh, Newsletter. Welcome back to the show, Travis. Thank you. Um, Let's talk about some specific topics Uh, things you've had in your your newsletter recently, and just kind of not only go into the specific, but how you analyze whether this thing is is for real or not. Uh, There was one, for example, from Sean Broderick uh, about what he called the Google of natural gas. Tell us what happened there and how, again, you analyze whether it's for real or
1: not. Okay. Uh, Well, that was one that
3: came out. I think it was last week I wrote about that one. And it was a promise, like they always do, they, you know, the subject line has a huge promise. I think that one was maybe 100% or 200% gain that they are promising to you. And he runs a newsletter called Red Hot Global Resources. He was saying that there's a, again, this one's about fracking, just like Canyon Services Group was that I mentioned to you a little bit ago. Uh, this was about a certain new way of doing fracking, that there's a hot new technology. And critically, he did latch on to what, most investors have latched on to about this specific company as well, which is that they don't use water. They're not going to pollute the water table. Um, they're not going to uh, cause those kinds of problems. He mentioned their patents. Uh, he mentioned that they had some partnerships and were going to be involved with the U.S. And this one happened to um, tickle my brain because it, it sounded very much like a company I had heard mentioned before called Gas Frack. Uh, that had been teased by two or three other newsletters in the past year. And the stock has gone down regardless of all that teasing. Um, it's a company that does um, hydraulic fracking, but not well. They do fracking, but not hydraulic fracking. They do LPG fracking, which is using gelled propane uh, to inject into the wells at high pressure and force open the crevices in the shale rock. That way, that way they get the gas and oil out of the out of the formation. They can also recover the propane, and it's much more efficient. The fracking works better um it pulls out more of the more of the good stuff and it also pulls itself back out so it theoretically doesn't pollute the water table uh, I don't know if it has the same kind of other concerns that other folks have about fracking, um, that, that things that it might do geologically but this story is the same story that we've been told for maybe a year or so uh the stock has has gone up significantly from here uh from the from those low teaser points it, it was it was much higher and now it's down a little bit less. Um it had a rough year last year. They had an explosion. Look, like, LPG is very flammable. Uh, so it's pretty dangerous to deal with. So they have these giant trucks of this stuff, and they had an explosion. Uh, they had a fire problem with one of their trucks, so they had to re- reconsider their safety procedures and, and probably revamp their procedures a little bit in other ways. And that slowed them down a bit because they couldn't take any new orders for a little while. And, you know, they, they seemed to have the tendency to run into those little problems, which a lot of new technology companies do. Uh, they do, I think they're the only people that do this, this technology. They're, they do have a license from Chevron, which was the, folk, were the folks who came up with the technology or who owned the license for it and the patents for it in the first place. So there is a real company. Um, it is a real business. I've owned the stock in the past. I don't own it now. But it's. I've just tried to explain to people that you know, it's been a bit snake-bitten. Um, they do have a real technology but for some reason it hasn't quite taken off as some people expected it to And sometimes even a perfectly logical thing like this like you take fracking and you take the water out of the equation which would seemingly remove a lot of the worries from people. and all of a sudden it's, it's like this magical thing that everybody should do it but well it costs probably twice as much up front and it's risky and people in the oil and gas company don't necessarily oil and gas industry don't necessarily like. It jumping whole hog on a new technology. So it takes time for these things to develop, even if they are going to work.
2: So are you saying this is one you think does have potential or it's overhyped at this point?
3: I think this one actually does have potential. Um, yeah I don't come out and recommend the stocks just from the teaser. I, I really want folks to make their own decisions. But I have owned this in the past and I would own it again. That there's a lot of uncertainty. You have to go into it knowing that you know, you're taking a chance on new technology in a, in a big space, but they have some big orders and they got a good order from Husky Energy, um, and there are people that are endorsing them. So I think it, I think they've got a chance.
2: When you um, check these things out, do you talk to the company directly? And uh, do they often give you a different story than what the newsletter is? No.
3: No, I, I go straight from the filings. I look at the real numbers. I go from the 10Ks. Um, I can be pretty sure that the company would be almost as optimistic as the newsletters in many of these cases, although I'm sure they wouldn't wouldn't make the kind of promises the newsletters make. But, no, I don't talk to the companies.
2: Okay. Uh, then you talk about one from Money Map Press, which has what you call the kitchen sink deal, where you pay a huge amount for life. Are, are those often good deals, or do you think that, that works out not too well for investors?
3: Those are a huge commitment. Um, it's... If you're going to be somebody who's in love with a newsletter and, and you've got somebody, a publisher, where you think four or five of their newsletters are great, um, then I suppose it can make sense. I mean, you what you're doing is paying $5,000 up front, $10,000, sometimes even more, and you're getting perpetual access to a bunch of these newsletters from one publisher. Um, and I would always tell people to be really cautious about that. because You oftentimes can't back out for much of a refund on those big ones, especially after a year or so if you change your mind. And we have that the bias that everybody has when they buy something. Like if you buy a refrigerator, all you're going to want to do is go out and find all the ways that that refrigerator is awesome after you bought it. You want to hear, you want to read the good reviews and sort of pat yourself on the back for making a good choice. So you're going to try to buy all the stocks. You're gonna you're gonna really assume that those guys are great. Um, And it sometimes helps to sometimes it crowds out some of the other thoughts in your head, uh, the newsletter publishers often have very similar strategies coming out from a lot of their newsletters. There's often sort of the, these big personalities behind a company, whether it's, you know, the Gardner Brothers at the Motley Fool or Porter Stansbury at his newsletters. You know, they're not forcing their editors to make a particular choice, but there's sort of this over- overarching philosophy that tends to be, whether it's you know a libertarian philosophy that the dollar is going in the the crapper and everybody should only buy gold, Um, that influences everything else that comes out of those newsletters.
2: So talk specifically about uh, Money Map Press had a uh, not-yet-public Swedish graphic firm. Uh, uh, Michael Robinson was promoting it. Tell us about that story.
3: Oh, that was... Graphite is an interesting story. Um, Graphite and graphene. There have been a lot of teasers in the last year or so about graphene, which is sort of the next miracle composite material. Um, it's just a single-layer thin carbon uh, nanomaterial, kind of like carbon nanotubes or buckyballs, but a, sort of a single atom thick um, layer of graphite that is remarkable. It's, uh, it conducts electricity. It dissipates heat. It's very strong. So all those cool things. Um, and there's a company being teased here as a pick that's not even public yet, that, you know you have really it really gives you that idea of being in on the ground floor and you kind of get this little shiver almost as you read it. it's like I could be one of those guys like Wall Street that, that gets in before the IPO uh, what this one happens to be is it was a blank check company that raised a bunch of money uh, a couple years ago I think and blank check companies need to spend that money within a certain amount of time on on some kind of company that's within their investment mandate And so this isn't actually an IPO specifically, but it is that this blank check company has made a deal to merge with a graphene company um, that's going to explore this this mine and rebuild a graphene mine and and get it going again to sell this large flake graphene, uh, graphite that can be used for graphene. Sorry, the the material is graphite, and you turn it into graphene. Um, So it's it is real. At that point, at that point, you couldn't buy it. I think you might be able to now. I haven't checked. Um, but it, it's that same kind of company. In this case, I'm always suspicious of these because, you know, graphene and cheese is sort of key, so the next, next polysilicon, uh, which is the, the base for uh, semiconductor chips, and Cerftease sort of so it's going to take over as that as the next miracle material. And polysilicon has had some up and down time, times, too, but silicon is one of the most abundant elements on Earth, and it's the second most abundant. And graphite is is up there too. You can make graphene out of almost any carbon, but especially out of of, uh, this large flake graphite. And it just seems like this demand for graphene, which uses up very little graphite, it seems very unlikely to me that it's going to shoot graphite prices through the moon and drive up all the prices of these. But I was very um, skeptical about all the rare earth elements pushing that they did a couple years ago too. And There were some quick 500% gainers in that group, too. Sometimes being skeptical means you miss out on a few of them being burners. (laughs)
2: That's interesting. Now, sometimes uh, editors uh, promote stocks because there's a huge amount of insider buying. Uh, There was one recently you said uh, that Mark Skousen was talking about uh, with the biotech company. Is is that Uh, insider buying uh, a a major thing that people should be looking at?
3: I love insider buying. Um, It's a lot better than insider selling, that's for sure. Uh, and it means a lot more, actually. I mean, insider buying, you'll hear the old saw on Wall Street that insider buying, insiders sell for lots of reasons. Yeah. you know, A divorce settlement, they want to buy a car, they want to buy a beach house, but they buy for only one reason, that they think the stock's going up. Um, and that's probably not so much true anymore because now they realize how much everybody's following them, so they'll buy a thousand shares here and there because they know people are watching. Um, but in this case, um, the founder of this company uh, did have some insider buying recently. They've done... Lots and lots of insider selling as well over the last decade um, since finding the company. But there was some real insider buying. Uh, It turned out it didn't matter for this particular quarter report they did because Scousin was teasing that this insider buying was one of the flags that when they release their next quarter, it's going to be a barn burner and the stock's going to take off. Um, And actually, the earnings report turned out to be disappointing, uh, and the stock went down a bit. I mean, not dramatically. It's a fairly big company, a couple of billion-dollar biotech company. Uh, called United Therapeutics. But um, it was the kind of thing insider buying is one of those general indicators. Like, if, they, if you've got a few insiders buying, um, a couple of particular people in the executive suite, like the CEO, CFO, those kinds of people that are actually running the company, to you get two or three of those people buying a stock, um, it really does indicate, you know, the academic studies have shown you that it indicates that that stock's likely to go up, you know, from six to 18 months from that point. But it's it's not a guarantee, of course. I mean, insiders are just as dumb as we are about picking the right price for a stock.
2: Very good. Okay, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Travis Johnson. He's the editor and founder of the Stock Gumshoe newsletter. That uh, takes a look at all the different uh, news, other newsletters out there, and takes a look at their uh, what's real and what's not real about their promises. We'll be back after this.
5: America Business Network, the bottom line in business.
0: Tune in for What About Wealth every week to learn the vital answers to your questions about creating wealth, investing it, donating it, and protecting it. Your hosts are Rich Bloomfield and Rick Durfee, who explain the principles that govern wealth in terms you can understand. Building and preserving positive wealth requires correct action, but few people know how wealth really works. Listen every Tuesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel and find the answers you need about wealth.
4: Where do you stand with your money? Let me put this question a different way. Where do you think you stand with your money? Managing money effectively can mean wealth, success, and contentment. Not managing the right way can lead to stress, anxiety, and even health problems. To reach your financial goals, tune into The Path to Financial Freedom with host Gordon Bennett. Every day we are faced with choices, and the wrong ones can be hard to correct. Don't make a bad financial choice. Listen every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Business.
5: business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network
1: you've been listening to the money answer show with jordan goodman if you have a question for jordan or his guest please call us now at 866-472-5790 that's 866-472-5790 now back to jordan
2: welcome back to the money answer show this is jordan goodman your host my guest this hour is travis johnson He's the editor and founder of the Stock Gumshoe Newsletter, which takes a look at other investment newsletters. Welcome back to the show, Travis. Thanks, Jordan. Uh, there are various categories that you have uh, of, of newsletters that you look at. One of them is income investing. What are some uh, things to watch out for in uh, promotions of high-income investments?
3: Well, there are, there are a couple of different kinds of income investments that really get the attention of, of the teaser guys. Of the newsletter publishers, most of them are the high-income investments—the ones that have high current dividend yields—and uh, there's a pretty simple reason for that. I mean, most newsletter publishers are looking at the same core demographic for their for their folks. They want people that are in their, at least in their fifties, but preferably in their sixties, uh, who have a fair amount of money and who are investing their money and they're worried about it. So those people are naturally drawn to things where they can get a fair amount of income, especially these days when. When you see treasury rates down so low that people can't make any money from their bank account or from buying bonds. So you look for people that have very high dividend yields, and they're going to tease those yields like crazy in the headlines. It'll be this one's screaming with a 14% yield, or this one yields 8%, and it's going to grow. Um, I think for most people, most investors, probably, you're, you're better off looking at dividend growth than at current income. But it's true that the, the current yields on a lot of these big are are very tantalizing. And a couple of things I look for when I'm when I'm looking at an income investment are obviously whether the dividend is supportable. So you look at how much of that dividend, uh, how much of the earnings go out as that dividend. And in a lot of cases, it's more than the earnings, which is, can be okay in some cases. There are cases like uh, the pipeline MLPs, which are very popular right now with a low-rate environment and fears of inflation. Um, because the pipeline operators can usually push through price hikes every year on a regulated basis to to keep their profits up reasonably well, even if there's inflation. Um, Not that there is inflation, but everybody seems to be worried there will be. Uh, And those kinds of companies always pay out a lot more in distributions. They call them not income, or not dividends, rather. They pay a lot more in distributions than they make in income because their depreciation is so massive for their huge investment in all the actual pipes that crisscross the country. So in a lot of those cases... Um, they'll have different measures. Like you have funds from operations for a real estate investment trust, or you'll have the distributable cash for an MLP. And you just want to make sure that they're paying out a reasonable proportion of that, and that they do have a little bit of flexibility. That there's there's some money left over after they pay the dividend out every month, and they're not they're not just sending out the cash that they have on the books to you um, in order to keep their dividend high and inflated.
2: Another area you talk about are exchange traded funds or ETFs. What are some of the hyping things going on in the ETF world?
3: You know, people have not been hyping ETFs quite as much recently, Um, but when the market was collapsing, boy, they could not stop talking about all the leveraged ETFs, Um, all the ultra short ETFs, where you could um, set that the, you know, whatever it might be, whatever sector, particularly things like the housing sector, there's a housing ETF, and there was a double short housing ETF, which tried to help you bet that housing would go down, meaning, if, in this case, I think it was mostly the home building companies um, and the associated firms would go down in price. So it's an ETF that shorts that using derivatives. Those ETFs um, ran into a lot of trouble, as you probably know. They're a, a lot of daily tracking errors. Um, the companies would try to, try to get pretty good tracking for how the index moved and then double or triple that in one direction or the other, either up or down, based on what kind of strategy they had. And they we're pretty good at doing it on any given day basis, but the laws of mathematics mean that it doesn't average out. So if you saw the homebuilders index go down by 60% in a month, you'd expect that the, the double short ETF of that would go up 100% for that same month, because that's what it's designed to do. But in many cases, even those double short ETFs were down as well, because the market was so volatile that these derivatives and complex strategies couldn't keep up with the long-term movement of, of crazy stocks like that.
2: Okay. Um, Also, uh, some other areas that you uh, take a look at are options. There's a lot of promises about what people can achieve in options. What should people watch out for in the
3: options newsletters? Uh, People should always watch out for the promises of options. Um, Options newsletters, I haven't seen them teach as much this year as I have in years past, but there are a couple basic things that people do with options that are relatively low risk and that do make you a pretty consistent income if you want to be an income trader using options. Things like selling puts and um, selling covered calls, which have very similar risk factors, which are but they're basically things where you hope to make, you know, a nice, decent ten or fifteen percent. They're not a way that you're gonna make yourself rich. And the thing that people never talk about when they tease an options newsletter is the amount of capital you need up front. Because when you're making an options bet, you have to back that up, you know, based on the movement of the actual stock. So if you are selling naked puts, which means that you're um, selling somebody the right to sell you a stock, you have to you have to have the cash in your account to buy that stock if they put it to you. Um, and you do get the money from selling the put, and it is sort of free because you don't have to buy anything. So, so the teasers will tell you that you're getting free cash every month, um, and it's predictable and fairly stable. And that's that's true almost all the time. Um, but you have to have you know if you're selling. Um, Trying to put for a thousand dollars, you might have to have a hundred thousand dollars in cash in your account to back that put up. Depending on what kind of stock you're buying, what kind of what, what put it is you're selling on a, on a particular stock, what kind of margin you have available. There's always this sort of part hiding behind the options trades that sounds so incredible, where you're getting almost free money. You're getting this. Um, this you're doing a, you're doing probably the wise thing, in betting against call buyers, and you're betting against. Um, folks who are trying to speculate on options and because you're the one selling the options, but it's, they never talk to you about the, the fairly big chunks of cash you have to have committed to that strategy.
2: Very good. All right. About two minutes we have left. Why don't you just kind of sum up what people should be looking for and when they should be really cautious in seeing all these newsletter ads that they're getting all the time.
3: Yeah. The one thing I always tell people when they, when they ask me and they, I get people emailing me every day, you know, thousands of people and, Please do email me uh, any of the new newsletter teachers you get. It's I love stock spam at gmail.com. We can try to collect them all and we write about the most interesting ones. But I always tell people to take a breath. You know, slow down. Some of these, some stocks are going to be amazing. Some stocks are going to be Apple that go to $500 billion. Um, but they're not going to go there in the time it takes me to write about it and the time it takes you to actually think about it. Um, and the stocks that go from 80 cents to a dollar. You know, it's okay to miss most of those because most of them don't go from 80 cents to a dollar. Most of them go from 80 cents to 10 cents. So it's okay to be patient. It's okay to miss some of the barn burners. It's okay to not get in there and trade all the time. Sometimes you have to be a little bit, a little bit more cautious.
2: Very good. Oh, it's been fascinating. My uh, guest this hour has been Travis Johnson. Uh, he's the editor and founder of the Stock Gumshoe uh, newsletter. His website is StockGumShoe.com. A lot of it is free. There's also a premium service as well. Uh, But as you can see, he looks at all the different uh, options that are out there, all the different uh, teasers all the time, and combs out what's real uh, from from what's not real. So hopefully you feel well-armed to go forward and make some uh, good investments. So thanks so much for being a guest on The Money Answer Show, Travis.
3: Thank you, Jordan. It's a pleasure to be with you.
2: Thanks again. And we'll be back with another edition of The Money Answer Show next week. Goodbye for now.